The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. I hope you guys are having a great Friday. Well, depending on what time you're listening to this, because this uh, we usually release episodes at midnight, the day that they're getting re- you know, released, Pacific time. So, if you haven't had a good Friday yet, hopefully you have a good Friday. Think about it. Hope you guys also had an awesome Valentine's Day. Hoping, hoping that everybody got some nookie nookie and had a good time. All right, folks. I have got a doozy for you today. Holy shit. Doing research on this one myself. And uh, and uh, Jen was helping me with it. Holy Christ, man. This is a fucked up story indeed. A little sippy poo on my tea before we even start. Today I'm going to be doing Rod Farrell, a.k.a. the Killer Vampire. Yes, the Killer Vampire. Now, I know earlier in the week I said there's a vampire of everything, because they did this and this. This dude actually lived as a vampire, thought he was a vampire the whole shot. But we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that, okay? <clears throat> so I think that we've all been at this point, uh, uh, you know, during our teenage years and what have not, where we experienced depression. It's happened to all of us. Uh, we want to be accepted, you know, for the most part, and, and mostly understood, especially when we're teenagers, right? We want to be, we want people to kind of understand what we're about and to kind of fit in. Well, I think that's where our story really begins. Our story starts in a small town in the Bible Belt of America called Murray, Kentucky. And for those listeners that are not in the U.S., the Bible Belt is mostly the southeastern part of the U.S. and extends up through the Midwest. And it's called the Bible Belt because there's a huge number of Christian-based churches all over the goddamn place, all over the place. There's a lot of them. Murray, Kentucky is considered the belt buckle of the Bible Belt. And I read that there's one church for every 300 people in the county. And that's a lot of goddamn churches. So Sandra Gibson met Rick Farrell in high school. And they dated about a year and a half. And Sandra got pregnant with Rick's child. So Rick and Sandra, they got married. But soon after that, uh, you know, soon after their son, Roderick, Farrell was born. He goes by, he's going to go by Rod. Rick says, bye, I'm out of here. He left them and they got a divorce. And you got to kind of figure it this way. Sandra got pregnant in high school. In fact, both Rick and her were both in high school. You probably could see it from a mile away that their relationship was not going to last for very long. You got two high school kids that get pregnant. It couldn't last. Yeah, it could have. You know, but the probability, pretty fucking low. With that said, Rod Farrell had not seen his father at all when he was a child until he actually went to court. We'll get into that a little bit later on. So Sandra was raised in a strict Christian household. Sandra's parents frowned upon everything like makeup and dancing and um, Sandra did have issues keeping and holding jobs, you know, after... The baby was born, of course. And Sandra and Rod moved out, moved on. Okay? They moved quite a bit. Uh, and she had 
a lot of relationships with guys, which include the second marriage. And I'm not sure if they got divorced or not, but there you go. Sandra was also a sex worker and an exotic dancer. Sandra and Ron lived with uh, with their parents, like I said, uh, for a while. And from what I understand, it was it's super, super, super strict. And give me one momento because I need to do something while I'm doing this and wasting everybody's time. So you would... It's a really strict Pentecostal household. If you don't know uh, who they are, they're the Holy Rollers. Just look them up. And you would think that in the Bible Belt and being devout Christians, that grandma and grandpa would be keeping their eye on the Lord and following the teachings of the Bible. Praise the Lord! Uh, There was a darker secret lurking in the shadows. Rod would claim later on that he was molested by his grandfather and his friends. His grandfather's friends. Um, and his friend's mother and sister, who was uh, Lizetta Crew and her mom, collaborated his story saying that they were also victims of Rod's grandfather and his little touchy-feely hands. However, he was never convicted of a crime. Ever. And I got my thoughts on it, okay? I find that sexual abuse is very common in those households where people are hardcore religious. I'm not sure why, but I can speculate. I think that a lot of religious, uh, a lot of religions, men are kind of allowed to do what they want in the church. We'll cover it, right? They're going to cover them. And that's because the church doesn't want to get a bad reputation. Uh, I had stories told to me by my, uh, by my first ex-wife, Maritza. She was raised Jehovah Witness. And, you know, she's not Jehovah Witness, but that's how she was raised. Of... Many kids getting molested in the church going, oh, no, we can't tell anybody about this. Oh, we don't want people to think badly of us. All right. So Sandra, Mama, on the other hand, she was into all kinds of vampire-themed games and movies, and she got her son Rod into them as well. Rod Rod would spend countless hours immersed in the world of vampire lore and watching movies as well. You could think of it as kind of a way to escape as well as a way of bonding with his mom. You know, share that common interest. So Sandra and Rod moved to Florida where they settled in an apartment in Eustis. That's, you know, Eustis. E-U-S-T-I-S. Eustis. Like an old name. It was a short-lived move, though, and soon they were back in Kentucky. So when Rod moved back and attended high school, he reconnected with a childhood friend of his named Howard Scott Anderson. Because they're all part of the same little vampire dealio that's going to be going on here pretty quick. So as he went through high school, he's a bit of a loner and an outcast. But we've seen that in a lot of shit that we've covered, right? That was until he met Jaden Murphy. Now, Jaden and Rod had a lot in common. They were both into that kind of gothic dressing and very much into vampires. Things like that, right? Jaden, however, had a small group of people who were followers of his that claimed to be vampires. They lived the whole vampire way. So before I continue, let me, let me give you an idea of one basic vampire law. I didn't even know this was a thing, by the way, until I started looking into it. Most people that practice vampirism believe that all life is precious. Basically, don't kill anyone or kill anything maliciously. I want you all to keep that in mind, that little rule in mind. As we're going on. So Jaden soon brought Rod into his vampire group. 
This is what they call the crossing over. And the ritual kind of goes like this. Jaden took Rod to a cemetery to a street to a tree that they that the group had deemed a special tree. It was at that place where uh, where they conducted the ceremony with all the with all the members of Jaden's group. They all did it there. It was there that Jaden cut himself three times, and Rod drank his blood from his wounds. Then Rod cut himself three times, and Jaden drank his blood from Rod's wounds. They sat under a tree for several hours until the sunrise, meditating. That's the whole ritual right there. Kind of basic and to the point, but all right. In a documentary that I saw about the case, they interviewed Jaden, as well as his fellow vampires in their group. They said uh, that they often cut themselves and drink from each other's wounds because it gives them a feeling of, like, getting high in euphoria. I also heard one of the members say that he does it to help him to fight depression, the depression that he feels. Some say that the feeling that they get is just pretty much psychosomatic. Okay? It's just all in their head. The vampires see it differently, though. <laughs> they say that the feeling is a real feeling, and they actually get energy from the blood. Believe it or not, Jaden, the leader of this little vampire group, actually said it best when he said, it's no different than smoking a cigarette, drinking, or doing drugs. If you're feeling stressed, you might light a smoke to calm your nerves. You're doing something that you know is harmful to yourself, but you're getting a calming feeling uh, you know, because of it. It's the same thing. You're harming yourself, but you're getting a good result out of it, a, you know, a desired result. And I think that he brings up a very good point with that, although... I want to tell you, not my cup of tea, cutting myself or letting anybody stick their nastiest lips on one of my cuts. I worry about infections and shit like that, but that's just me. So as time went on, Farrell's behavior became really erratic. Like, he's losing his fucking mind. He's kind of slipping into that kind of darker place where everybody goes, but he's staying there type of a thing. And it all came to a head. When Rod and Jaden were walking through the trailer park, um, and I believe that's where Rod lived, was the uh, was the trailer park. One of them did. Anyway, they're walking through a trailer park, and uh, Rod picked up a kitten. And as Rod was stroking it, the kitten scratched him. Rod, Rod then looked at Jaden and said, do you see that tree? And Rod bashed the kitten against the tree, killing it. So Jaden stated... Uh, started to kind of limit his interactions with Rod after he saw, you know, the whole cat-killing thing. It got worse when Jaden uh, bashed Rod, uh, I'm sorry, banished Rod from the group. So he's like, look, man, you're getting too nuts. You're really on this whole dark trip where you want to kill people and you want to kill things. And that's not, our, that's not our jam. That's not our jam. You got to get out of here. So they're, they're out of there. Later on, Jaden and uh, some other members of the group, one other member, went to Rod's house to talk to him. Rod came out and said he was going to kill Jaden. Jaden slammed Rod against the wall, and the fight was over. Now, keep in mind, now, like, this is a super convoluted, kind of weird story. There's two different stories going on here, okay, that what happened next. Sandra said that she told Jaden no one could control Rod, not even her, but... In an interview with Jaden, he said uh, that he snapped, grabbed Rod by the throat, lifted him up, and slammed him against the wall. 
And he claims that he told Sandra that Rod is out of control and no one can control him, not even her. To me, Jaden's story really does sound like it's a little bit uh, exaggerated to make him sound tougher than he really is, but I don't know for sure. So, after the cat killing, let's, uh, let's talk about that. Sorry, guys, my stuff just blanked out. That's fantastic. If I knew where the hell it went, there it is. Sorry, computer just glitched. Woo, awesome. So after the cat killing, shortly after about, you know, the week of November of 96, um, some puppies were found uh, in the back of the Humane Society in Murray, and they had been mutilated. The deputy sheriff that came out said that in an interview that it looked like several people had killed the puppies then showered each other with the blood. Now, Rod, of course, was questioned, and yet he denied having any involvement, and he still denies that to this day. I just saw a a pretty recent interview with him. He still says, they questioned me. We had nothing to do with it, me and my my people, because here's what he did. So he went and he started his own little mini cult, and he had brought some followers with him. We'll get into that. So Rod had been planning to leave Murray, for about six months before the murders, right? While still doing, uh, while still being questioned about the animal mutilations, along with his chaotic home life of taking LSD and PCP and even heroin when he can get a hold of it. Sandra said that he would become violent under the drugs, but Farrell's friends said Sandra was just as violent towards her son. So he, he got suspended from school in May of 96 for skipping, smoking, and behavioral issues. Got to figure that one, right? Kind of saw that one coming. And Sandra didn't help his case at all, man. She goes in there and says, hey, man, he is just beyond out of control. He's, he's nuts. And he had threatened to kill her cut uh, and cut himself with razor blades. And he's taken part in a satanic cult. That's, this is what she tells the school. And to add to the dumpster fire, so, <laughs> you guys are going to love this one. Now, while we're all thinking, Sandra, this poor mom. Oh, I say nay, nay. Sandra was charged with soliciting soliciting rape and soliciting sodomy on November 12th of 96. So Sandra sent the uh, a sexually explicit letter to Jaden Murphy's 14-year-old brother, Jamie. That's the, the you know, leader of the vampires that kicked Rod out. Um, and so... Jamie is disgusted by this, right? Shows the letter to his mom, and uh, mom presses charges. And she also found that they also found that uh, that she had set up a shrine in her home with pictures of Jamie, candles and incense, you know. And uh, she had to actually tell him that I wanted to be a vampire too, and you know all that good shit. And Farrell was totally grossed out by his mom's behavior. I mean, Rod's like, oh, okay, look. I'm fucked up, but dude, you are big, big time fucked up. So, as I said, Jaden throws him out of the group, right? And Rod founds one of his own. And he brought over with him Howard Scott Anderson, and Dana Cooper, and his girlfriend, Chariot, Chariot, <laughs> Charity Casey. So Rod had also been talking uh, to a friend that he kept in contact with for, from his time in Florida. And her name was Heather Waldorf. And they talked all the time, according to reports. They had ran up a $600 phone bill one month with 
that put the kibosh to the phone call. So this just, they started writing each other letters. Now, according to Rod, Heather said that she was being abused by her father and her mother knew about it and didn't do anything sexually abused. And according to Heather, she just wanted to run away with Rod and told Rod not to kill her folks. So that's, that's two vastly different stories, but I'm a firm believer in CYA. Cover your ass. You know, and plus, <laughs> you can always play the victim off of that, right? Because you'll find out why in just a second. So on uh, November... Sorry, guys. On November 24th of 96, their plan was set into motion. The plan to escape Murray. The group of um, outcasts admitted that they didn't take Farrell and Rod's claims completely seriously. Rod, however, had wanted to kill for a long time. He went as far as to say in in a prison interview that if it hadn't been... Heather's family, it would have been someone else, and who knows how many after that. So at least he's owning his shit, right? So Rod and his vampires drove to Florida to run away with Heather. They're all going to run away together, and after a 12-hour drive, they were where they needed to be. On November 25th of 96, they met with Heather outside of her house. Heather had told them that her parents had a Ford Explorer that they could steal, and that the keys were inside of the house in her parents' room, because... They took Howard's car, and Howard's car was a piece of shit, and it kept breaking down. <clears throat> so Rod told her, hey, man, leave the garage door unlocked so me and Howard here, we can get inside. So Howard Anderson uh, could also go inside. That's, I'm sorry. I already read that. So they circled the house, and they figured out where everybody was, okay, in the house. Only two people there, her parents, they're good to go. So while Heather took off with the rest of Rod's little vampire group. Rod and Howard got in through the garage that was left unlocked for them. Well, on their way in, sneaking in, Rod found a small crowbar and took it in the house with him. Inside, he told Howard to go look for the keys. And he got into the living room, and that's where he found Heather's dad, Richard, on the couch watching TV. So Rod crept up behind the couch, and when Richard went to get up, Rod struck him with the crowbar, beating in his head. So Richard's lifeless body is laying on the sofa, uh, where on any other night, he'd be just enjoying a you know nice TV show after a long day of work. So next, Ruth, Heather's mom, came out of the shower, and she's walking into the kitchen. She sees Rod standing there, and she had a hot cup of coffee. She throws a hot cup of coffee at him, gets it on and burns him. And she fought for her life against Rod, going as far as to sink her nails into his flesh, scratching his face, holding on to his wrist, and Rod starts beating her in the back of the head several times with the crowbar until she was on her knees. And that is when he drove the crowbar through her skull, ending her life as well. So Rod and Howard found the keys to the Explorer, And they met back up with their friends, and they switched the plates, and they're gone. Now, Rod, when all this is happening, he's covered in blood. He had come out of the house, he's covered in blood. Uh, And he's 
ex- uh, excitedly gotten to the, ex- uh, the Explorer, and they're on the run. Rod said that he had uh, dropped a strip of acid before he had gone into the house. By this time, Rod is going on like a maniac, having done what he's always wanted to do, which is kill someone. So they met up with their, their, their other family member, their vampire group, on the road just a little ways down the road. And on November 25th of 96, Richard Wendor, 49, and his longtime partner, Ruth Queen, who was 54, was found dead in their home in Eustis, Florida. So their, their 17-year-old daughters who, who discovered him, their daughter Jennifer comes home, and it's about 10.30 at night, you know, and she, she figures, i got to sneak in because so, I'm a little bit past my curfew and I don't want to get fucked over. I don't want to get grounded. She sneaks in. She sees her dad on the couch, and that smell, he ain't, maybe, maybe he fell asleep, TV's on, we're good. Until she went into the kitchen, and that's where she found her mom's lifeless body on the floor and the walls sprayed with blood. So she calls the cops. The cops come, and that, and they also found uh, Heather had left a goodbye letter addressed to her parents and her sister. Said, "Hey, I'm out of here. I'm bye bye." So Heather's Heather's boyfriend is involved in all this because Heather's boyfriend decided to call off their relationship after being told that Rod believed that he was some form of uh, like a reincarnated demon, and that she was also, and, and so was she. Right after that was when Heather told her boyfriend she was running away with Rod and the group. Believing to be under a spell of Rod's, she had to do whatever he said. And she also had done the crossover ritual. So, shockingly, they ran out of money. They're going to, uh, they're, they're, they're going, they're, they're trying to get to uh to New Orleans. They ran out of money. So what what's a what's a person to do? Well the the girlfriend there, Casey, you know, Rod's girlfriend, calls her grandma, Jody Remington, who lived in South Dakota. And so after those two talked a little bit, Jody agreed, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna wire you the money, but I'm gonna wire it to a Howard Johnson's that's uh in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So they go, great. We've got cash. We're good to go. We can get out of here. They drive to Baton Rouge. They go to the Howard Johnsons. And that's where the cops are waiting for them. So they get arrested. They're in the car. They're gone. So once in custody, Rod did confess to killing uh, Rick and Ruth. You know, Rick, Richard, uh, Wendorf, and, uh, and Ruth. In vivid detail. Um, and all, all of them spoke of their involvement in the murders, right? And Anderson was the only one in the home with Farrell. Just Howard and Rod. The autopsy revealed that Richard had 22 wounds total. Skull fractures, brain lacerations. Uh, the chest on his right side had been caved in. He was also marked with a symbol that looked like the letter V, which was apparently Rod's little calling card. Ruth's autopsy had many defensive wounds and skin samples from under her nails matched matched Rod's DNA, plus a shoe print matches as well. She had 23 wounds in all, 16 of them to the head. (coughs) 
So, during all this shit, police had thoughts of a conspiracy between Heather and Farrell, uh, Heather and Rod to kill Heather's family. But, Cooper and Casey said that Heather had, didn't know that Rod was going to kill her parents at all. But on top of that, two witnesses claim that Heather wanted her parents dead. So there's a lot of speculation. There's a, a lot of kind of like, um, you know, who's really telling the truth and what can we prove, right? That's the bottom line of it. So even good old Sandra, you know, Rod's mama, claims she overheard Heather asking her son to kill her parents. However, Sandra recounted after failing a polygraph test. She said, ah, nope, I'm going to take all that shit back. But, you know, talking about somebody who wants to have sex with a fucking 14-year-old kid. Jesus Christ. So eventually, Heather was released because the grand jury said, we're not going to indict her. She's a victim here. Everyone else involved pled guilty, even though Rod pled guilty. Okay? So everybody's pleading guilty. Rod initially received a death sentence, which was reduced to life in prison. This was after a grand jury said that it was not constitutional to give the death penalty to a person who committed their crimes as a minor. Rod was only 16 years old when he committed this crime. Howard Scott Anderson, his buddy that went in with, uh, with him to the, to the house, uh, he got life without parole. However, I saw in a documentary where... I think that that got overturned and he got 25 years or something like that. Dana Cooper received 17 and a half years in prison and the girlfriend, Charity Casey, got 10 and a half years in prison. So that's all I've got for this one right here. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. Log on to Facebook, for God's sakes. Join citizens of Brutal Nation. Interact with us. Shoot the shit with me. It's always a good time. Shoot the shit with all of us. I even post some really messed up memes, too. But then again, that's just me. Hey. This show's copyrighted 2024 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. If you're hearing this or any part of this on anybody else's show or podcast that isn't authorized by Twisted Blue LLC, they're lying, thieving bastards. We'll talk to you guys later on. Bye-bye.